he called me to to meet up with me because he knew I was sober and and I was like yeah I'd love to see you I just am busy tonight um you want to get together in two days and he was like yeah and in my mind I was, that seemed fine and then he passed away that night and I was just like I felt so stupid because this is a it's a life or death thing and I like lost in like the midst of me thinking about all the stuff I had to do at work and at the gallery like I forgot how serious this thing is you're listening to Wellbeing Creative, a podcast that breaks down stigmas and creates a conversation surrounding well-being in the creative fields. My name is Harrison Diskin, and I'll be sitting down with creators of all types to discuss how they manage the inevitable stress, anxiety, and health choices that come along with creating in today's wild world. Hey, this is Harrison. Welcome to the very first episode of Wellbeing Creative, recorded from downtown Detroit at the Foundation Studio inside the Detroit Foundation Hotel. On the series premiere, we go from jail cells to gallery openings with my first guest, Troy Murray of TYP Collection, for a story you want to hear. This episode also touches on everything from recovery, efforts to help end child trafficking in Cambodia, and the unexpected death of his friend to drugs. Plus, of course, we talk all about his art and the creative process. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Troy. Hey, it's Harrison, and my guest is an artist, gallery owner, designer, and overall great guy who I'm happy to call a friend. His name is Troy Murray of TYP Collection. Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm very excited about this very first episode of Wellbeing Creative. I am as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, so, I mean, let's just go back. When, when we first met, probably about 2009, 2010, around then, um, I definitely didn't know you as an artist. Uh, definitely more of like a, a party animal. Yeah. Um, you want to take it back to those days and uh, and tell us how art has played a part in confronting uh, that side of you? Uh, yeah. So I um, I struggled with, with alcohol and drug addiction for a big majority of my teenage years and into young adulthood. Um, I ended up getting sober at the age of 21. I'm 27 now, but... When you, yeah, when you met me, um, yeah, I was, I was deep in that and it took, um, it took a lot of tries and kind of a whole change of my attitude and, and lifestyle and decision-making, um, to really like turn that around. Um, so there's a lot in those years that we could go into, but the main, um, like really the main thing would be just the willingness to put forth the effort to like change my thought patterns and to change the way that I like viewed myself and viewed the world around me. Um, so art played a big part in that because I drew a lot as a kid, but I never really took it serious. And I think I got picked on about it in elementary school. So I, (laughs) I would just draw at home. Like I was more into sports and, um, yeah, it's that like honestly plays a big part in like, what I had to kind of change going into sobriety. Like I used to be so worried about what people think of me and, you know, like that judgment and the fear of judgment as a kid. The Um, ego. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The ego. So it was just like, that was a big part that I had to let that go or else I could never get or remain sober or be happy sober, you know? So, um, but art played a big part in, I had no hobbies when I got sober. Like that was all I really did was party and all I cared about was getting high. So, um, 
when I, I was like, oh yeah, I used to love to draw. Like, so I used to do it uh, just for fun and to be able to like turn my brain off. Like I would do it on the weekends. I would do it after work. Mm-hmm. Really anytime I could just to be able to like lose track of time and not think about anything else. You know, I'd start at like 7 p.m. I'd look up. I'm like, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning, you know, like. So it really helped me with that. And uh, it really was it really was nothing else other than that for the first probably year of sobriety. Uh, I just really loved it. And I uh, started to really get like kind of addicted to that. And I, I was like addicted to seeing progress, you know, and it was something that I could really like dive into and be proud of. I still didn't show a lot of people, but um, yeah. And so that was like, it still is a huge part of my life today. And um, it's different, but, uh, that really gave me like kind of, it, it made me feel like I had a purpose at the time, you know, a little bit, or like, this is the, the, the sketches that you're talking about. Right. Exactly. Okay, cool. Just, just like doing something productive, um, and feeling like I was like improving on it. Like mm-hmm. I struggled with, I just thought I was the biggest failure for the longest time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't even try things just cause I was like, nah, I don't, I'm just not going to be good at it. You know? Um, but honestly, the spirituality aspect of my life now today and art are the two biggest parts of my sobriety and happiness today. So art played a huge part for sure. Cool. Uh, we're definitely going to get into this sobriety topic here a little bit deeper. But uh, you talked about failure here and, uh, you know, being scared of, of failing. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, failure is often the starting block of success. You know, like you, you need, yeah, to, you need sure. to experience failure in order to kind of, uh, you know, know what that, that end is to be able to have success, you know? Yeah. It's all, it's all like, a. you know, you have to take a lesson from every failure too, right? Right. How are you going to know how to handle success if you've never experienced the failure? Right. Yeah. You, you just end up being pretty mediocre. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, so what, what specifically, are there any failed projects in, in your art career that, uh, have, have really taught you a lot? Um, I mean, there's failed projects all the time. I right. don't know if, uh, I just usually don't put them out, but like I learn a lot from failed projects, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's not really, I don't really view anything as a failure as much as, um, little, little things here and there that I'm just like, yeah, don't do that again. Like we got away with that one or I've had to totally redo projects because I've screwed up, you know, but it's the error part of trial and error. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I've, you know, not done right, uh, artistically in, in, in my, uh, opinion, but, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I grow, you know, Mm -hmm. is like good or bad. You got to learn from what you're doing. And if you want to change it, then you change it the next time or Mm -hmm. you go back and redo the whole thing. But, um, I don't know if there's a specific project. Um, but like this series I'm working on right now, this was, I've really been working on it for like 10 months. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but let's tell everyone about the series that you're doing this project. It's called Exposed. Yeah. And, yep. uh, this is like the grand finale of, of your gallery here in Michigan. Yep. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about Exposed. Um, so this is a concept. I, like I said, I probably came up with the concept like 10 months ago mm-hmm. and, um, it was really I, I really wanted to do the project because uh, it, it ties in perfectly with what this podcast is about, too. But I was, felt like I, was, I wasn't progressing uh, spiritually or I wasn't as happy as I was when 
the first couple of years of sobriety, you know, and I was like, well, what, why is this going on? Like, why do I not feel fulfilled? Like nothing was, I was just kind of coasting through, you know, not really mm-hmm. enjoying a lot and just kind of going through the motions and, um, and all these fears were like popping back up with me that I really, I really thought that I had tackled. Um, and so I came up with this concept really to try to put this back in my face and show me like what I should be doing. So it's this whole concept um, based around the scripture that I love. It's called, uh, or it goes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So that was like just the main concept of it. And basically it boils down to if I'm doing, I named all the pieces after like spiritual principles. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing these things in my daily life, then all these fears go away. But if I'm not doing them, then these things are, you know, they're at the forefront of my life again. So it honestly was to push me into getting back into the things that I know keep me happy and sober, you know? And so that was why I wanted to do it. What are some of those specific things that, that we're missing that, that you need to bring back? Uh, like honesty, mm-hmm. integrity. Um, you know, I don't think I was really, only I really know, right? It's like little stuff here and there, but they were mm-hmm. making me unhappy and they were making me feel like um, I wasn't being... I wasn't being myself or I wasn't being totally true with myself. And it's like honesty with myself a lot of the times, you know? Right. It's like, should I, I don't know. It's kind of like, I know I shouldn't be doing something, but I'm just kind of being like, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know? And it's maybe not praying in the morning or not meditating, like little stuff like that. That's the stuff that got me sober and that's the stuff that keeps me happy. And yeah, so, I mean, it's not really little stuff at that point. No, it's not, but I can convince myself that it is, you know? Right. I can convince myself that, all this is happening because of me, right? And it's, I get into more of this selfish mindset. And when I'm happiest is when I'm completely selfless and mm-hmm. or trying to be completely selfless. And, um, you know, in my opinion, God has a plan for me and it's mm-hmm. not really, I'm not really driving this train, you know? I just have to do my best. So when I start, when I start like kind of thinking that I'm in control is when I really start to struggle and fears pop back up and, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, like being a good person is kind of on like a, a scale, you know, like being a good person when you're an addict yeah. is a lot different than being a good person when you're uh, in control of, of, of what you're doing and uh, producing art, you know, it, it takes a whole other thing. It's like, I'm sure when you were, uh, when you weren't sober, being, praying and meditating were not the top of your priority list. No, no, they were not. But uh, I mean, that's, to me, it's as simple as that. It's like, this is what my life was like when I wasn't doing these things. And I've seen what my life can be like and how I can feel inside when I am doing these things. So as much as my life may seem okay or great on the outside in sobriety, if I'm not doing those things, I don't feel happy, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's when the mental health, like nobody wants to live that way. You know what I mean? And if I have a solution that I know works for me, then it seems so simple saying it out loud, but sometimes I just, I, slip back into this mindset of, and it's not really a conscious thing. It's kind of like, I just take a step back. I'm like, why am I feeling like this? And then I'm like, well, are you doing this? Are you doing this? And mm-hmm. the answer is usually no. when I feel like that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, what, what goes into like the routine, the ideal routine for, for Troy to stay on top of, uh, everything, you know, what, what's, what's the spirituality routine behind it all? Um, well, Praying in the morning and praying at night. Praying in the morning is the hardest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but praying and meditating in the morning is when I am happiest. Um, if I'm not praying at night, I'm, I'm really 
slipping off. Um, mm-hmm. That's typically like when I'm doing good, not great. I'm praying at night and trying to meditate at night. But it really, it's a great way to start my day. So I try to do that. Um, it becomes it's an excuse, but it becomes harder and harder the busier and busier I get. It mm-hmm. seems like because I always wake up. I'm like, oh, I gotta go, you know. And then you just shout real quick and get out of there. So, um, but that is a huge component for me. And then helping others, like not being so focused on myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I've had a, like, a lot of experiences to where I felt like I wasn't being selfish. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get together uh, in two days. I just am really busy right now. And then something really bad and dramatic happens to that person. Mm. And I could have helped, you know, or I could have, like, it's, it really, it really, really hurt me. And so that was like a, is there a specific event that happened that stands out? Yeah, but I mean, a f- I don't know if I really want to talk about it. It's just yeah, like yeah. A, a friend passed away, mm-hmm. honestly, in drug addiction. And yeah. he called me to take to to meet up with me because he knew I was sober. And yeah. and I was like, yeah, I'd love to see you. I just am busy tonight, um, you know, and I, you want to get together in two days? And he was like, yeah. And in my mind, I would, that seemed fine. Mm-hmm. And then he passed away that night. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I felt so stupid because this is a, it's a life or death thing. And I like lost in like the midst of me thinking about all the stuff I had to do at work and at the gallery. Like I forgot how serious this thing is, you know? And so that was, that was a big, uh, a big like blow to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a dramatic, that's like, uh, that's like a dramatic example, but there's little examples like that too. Um, and it's, it, it kind of goes back to also just how I feel. Like if I'm totally self-consumed and my, my purpose starts to like be about me and my art and all that, then I, I'm not, nothing really excites me anymore, you know? Cause then what happens if nobody buys my art or mm-hmm. what happens if people tell me they hate it? then all of a sudden people are, I feel like people are telling me they hate me or, which isn't really the case, you know, that's like a fine line I have to draw of, I need to be passionate about my art and my creativity, but not let it define me, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but that's, that's how I found I'm most happy when I'm like that. Well, I think that comes with uh, the confidence of, of knowing who you are and having a definition of yourself already kind of clear cut. Uh, because you're not looking for a definition, so you're not going to let anything that's not you define you. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool and admirable. Um, and, and, and losing a friend like that's really tough. And I, th- I think that might even be a lesson in, in like what, what we control and what we can't control. Right. You know, I mean, you're not supposed to Yeah, be, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, like, I don't know what would have happened, but yeah. it still hurt, you know? Yeah, like, you can't be 100% on, on the clock for, for your friends yeah. that, that are in need, even whether they're recovering or, or they need help with a, right. a recipe or something. Yeah, I was able to to kind of, like, I don't, I don't even know how to word it, but I, it doesn't, like, weigh on me today as much, but, like, it did for a while, you mm-hmm. know? And... It's still a lesson. I don't know if I would have helped or not helped, but right. maybe at least for that night, you know? Right. So, like, it was definitely a lesson for me. Um, and I feel like that is what more of my purpose really is, is to be able to help people that are struggling. Like, this is a gift that's been given to me, is a second chance at life. So that is more important to me 
or it is more important to me. And it's trying to remember that every day that this is more important to me than my career or, you know, what, what show I'm doing or what piece I'm creating at that time, you know, like this Mm -hmm. is the most important thing in my life. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a lesson in that for sure. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be tough. Um, you know, we're talking about helping others. I know that you took a trip to Cambodia to bring art therapy to young girls. What what was that like? and, And how long were you there for? Uh, I was there for about five days, I think. That was two years ago. We're mm-hmm. actually going back this October Cool to actually set up the program that we went to like test out that mm-hmm. time. It's like an art and mu- music therapy program, um, and it's at this, this program that rescues these girls out of child sex trafficking. Um, so it was a very difficult trip for sure. It was really rewarding. It was awesome when we were at the place with the girls. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun teaching them. Um, What's the environment like there? Is it, is it kind of third world? I mean, yeah, the environment in the country. I mean, we went there for that. So it, this specific city that we went to, Phnom Penh, mm-hmm. is like a hub for pedophiles, pretty much. So like, it was really tough being in that city and mm-hmm. seeing all like just the middle-aged white guys by themselves you know Mm -hmm. just our entire hotel was full of them and like there's no business there you know they're not on a business trip so it was really difficult and um it it was it was very rewarding but it definitely i was definitely like shook by that trip you know and we made more of a point to um send proceeds back from my art to that specific program as opposed to just the foundation that I work with, mm-hmm. Premier Foundation. Um, that's who took me to that program in the first place. And that's who's setting up that, um, that art and music therapy program. Is and I'm just Premier helping. Premier Foundation? Premier Foundation. Yeah, cool. they're the group who manages me. So a percentage of everything I do artistically goes back to Premier Foundation. Wow. Yeah, so they're the people that are, are helping this program. The program's called... Agape International Missions mm-hmm. um, started by a couple that lives in Sacramento. They just saw the problem and literally just up and moved. And, and the whole went. program's kind of surrounding the arts? Uh, no, the program is, it's a pretty full program. It's like they they get them out of these brothels and mm-hmm. they house them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's intense, dude. Yeah. They take them out of these brothels. They raid the brothels, take the girls back. Um, they have a school there. And then they have an aftercare program that employs these girls after. Um, They've done things as far as they've also tried to help the people that are working at the brothels. So they started Mm -hmm. a gym to be able to kind of get these, like, basically bring these people to the Lord and be like, there's another way of life. You don't have to do this. And they've actually been able to, like, get a lot of a good amount of people to stop trafficking these girls, too, which is a bizarre thing to think about that they're trying to help both sides of the spectrum you know yeah i mean i'm sure a lot of these guys they know what they're doing is wrong and they just don't right. have an outlet i mean that's no excuse but yeah you know um they're they're probably people that are really you know willing to to, to rehab that you know yeah and then they also go as far as helping um it's a whole thing i won't get into it basically the mothers are they basically sell their daughters into this and Jeez. it's because they're in debt and so um, in order to get out of debt, these people promise they'll pay their debt if they do this. And they typically don't even pay the debt. But, um, yeah, so they're trying to help really everybody involved in that. 
Um, but the main priority is the girls, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool knowing that like every stroke of your paintbrush or, or like application of paint is kind of going to to help help the girls over there. Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, not every piece goes directly to that. They have a lot of different projects that Premier does, but right. we do some that are specifically like 100% of the proceeds go back. Like, I don't know. Do you remember that piece I did, Priceless? It was on all the Cambodian money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. that was a piece that went 100, 100% went back. We ended up sending back like $12,500 from that piece. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. Let's talk um, a little bit more real quick about, about the style of art that you're creating. Because, I mean, we just talked about this Cambodian money yeah. artwork. Yeah, People yeah. are probably really confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so describe the types, I say types in plural, of art that you create. Yeah. Um, I mean, I came from this kind of realism background when I was drawing it was always like photorealistic and um and portraiture so people are usually in my work um and specifically usually portraits not even full figures Mm -hmm. but um I kind of developed this style that I call alternative canvas and it's basically using three-dimensional objects as the painting surface so building that canvas you know from scratch out of whatever i mean we've done footballs boxing gloves Mm -hmm. a lot of sports and music stuff but that specific one was cambodian money it was this old money um that they were selling as souvenirs on the street and we just bought a whole bag of it and brought it back um and then painting something that correlates on top so we painted one of these girls and then we shared their story with that and um auctioned the piece off live and um but yeah, like this exposed series is a lot of that too, incorporating a lot of flowers in those pieces. Mm-hmm. And then my whole last, uh, all the commissions really over the last year have been in that style too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, your pieces, I'm going to put a link to uh, your Instagram so that the listeners can see your pieces uh, from this podcast. But your pieces are like really detailed and, and meticulous. Uh, would you consider yourself like a perfectionist? Um, honestly, I... I used to be so obsessed about like making it the most photorealistic that I could. And that's what I was it looks like, like, yeah, I was yeah. trying to like continually, like that's really all I cared about for the first probably two or three years I got back into art. And then I started to kind of lay off a little bit like on myself mm-hmm. and be like, I want to make it as detailed as I can, but not like nobody's really going to, like, it's not even nobody. Like, do I really want to spend the extra 10 hours on this to make this like perfect or is it just good as you know like there's a certain line that I draw now Mm -hmm. I'm like yeah I mean you hear these stories about like authors who just have like books that you'll never read because they're just never going to publish them they just don't see them as a finished product yeah I feel like I'm gonna over time like every piece I learn a little bit and not try to cram it all into one piece to where I mean, now I have, like, deadlines. You know, I can't just honestly spend... It's, like, just kind of, like, a waste of time, I think. And I do I really learn that much more by just forcing myself to get it right, get it right, get it right? Like, sometimes it's just let it go, you know? Like, right. this, is, this, is, this is what you wanted, so just move on. And if you still don't like it, come back and make it better. But um, I mean, you're spending a ton of time on these pieces in, in, in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... I could spend a bunch more time on one, but right. then I'm only going to have one piece at a show, you know? So it's like, do you want to make a whole body of work or just spend, make this one perfect in your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, another cool component of the show is that I 
was able to collaborate with three different photographers. Mm-hmm. And photography is one of my favorite mediums. I just never got into it. Um, but they're all from Detroit. One lives in Chicago, but uh, Max Schreier, Brianne White, and Justin Milhouse. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a really exciting thing, too, is just be able to bring somebody else in. Um, we really use existing work from them because I didn't even know if the series was going to come out any good or I was going to have a show. So I didn't want to, like, set up photo shoots and make them mm-hmm. do, like, extra work. I was like, I love your work, so I can just pick from work that you've already done and you just kind of give me the okay to use it, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, so that's been really cool as well. Um, and they've been pretty excited, I think, to see, like, their pieces, like, kind of shift and take, like, new form and be used in a different way, I think, mm-hmm. too. So... Yeah, it's been a really exciting project and I'm really tired today. We had a long day trying to set up, but only a couple more days and then we got the opening. Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about next is, is like the time spent on, on creating, uh, you know, following you on Instagram. It seems like you're in the studio sometimes from like the early morning until the early morning. You know? Yeah. Um, how do you balance you know uh getting sleep having having a normal diet of any sort you know how how do you balance that with spending so much time in the studio uh i think that goes back to probably the trial and error trial trial and error and like failure thing like i've definitely been bad at all those things right um but like this series i i was most happy and most impressed by like just how much it could get done in normal hours you know mm-hmm. like i kind of cut it off for myself i was like let's not be just completely dead by the opening of the show and um i also have aj who has mm-hmm. helped a lot in previous shows i really didn't have it was usually just me right so i know aj but everyone yeah. else doesn't so who's aj right he he's uh my employee at the gallery and mm-hmm. he kind of like assists on a lot of projects with me so mm-hmm. uh basically the team is me aj and then my manager gene but mm-hmm. that's about the extent of it, you know. So AJ's kind of, I don't know, he wears a lot of different hats. He helps with pretty much everything except for painting. Right. It's the only thing he can't do. So <laughs> it's, I'm sure it helps a lot to have uh, yeah, that, that sure. right-hand man there. Yep, and yeah. he's my best friend, so it's it's also been shocking that we don't hate each other by now. But <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, and um, we share a lot of things in common. And um, he's been great, so it's been super super helpful on this and he's also like expanded what is possible with these art pieces too he came from like more of a construction background and mm-hmm. i was like afraid to use a electric saw you know right. so i was just like he was like oh no i'll cut that and so like you know we were able to kind of really develop that alternative canvas style as well yeah. in the last year and i don't know if i would have been doing half the stuff i'm doing if he wasn't there you know that's so, pretty cool shout yeah. out aj Shout out AJ. Um, so that's another thing. It really is like jaw dropping to me is every time I, I walk into one of your shows or even just see a singular singular piece of yours, my jaw just drops. I'm always inspired. Um, it's it's like a, a very large magnitude of, of work usually. Um, how how important is it for fellow creators to dream big and to have goals and dreams and, and big big goals that they can strive for? Yeah, I definitely think it's super important to have goals. I don't think I, <laughs> I used to kind of be somebody that was like, no, nah, I don't want to set goals. And that was just because I didn't want to miss them, you mm-hmm. know, and I didn't want to fail. But mm-hmm. if you don't set goals, you're not really like 
I don't think you're really believing in yourself that much. Or how do you measure? I mean, you also have to be okay with not hitting your goals. If you, the more of that is like the progress to get to the goal. So if you like put in all this work and you learn a lot, but you don't exactly hit what your goal is, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of still a success. And I've had to teach myself that like I've set goals and not hit them, but fast forward six months, like if I wouldn't have tried to hit that goal, I wouldn't have known what I needed to know for this upcoming project or goal, you know? So, right. Um, or you hit a goal and you actually, you know, you hit the goal and and you realize that you can surpass that and you can really, you know, step that, that next goal up. Yeah, exactly. And it's an incredible feeling of accomplishment, you know? And, um, so yeah, I think goals are super important. It's just not, not just taking everything as a failure and more of a lesson, you know? Um, but it's definitely a great feeling hitting a goal. Like, um, I, I think and that's another thing AJ's helps with is having me write my goals on paper. You as do a, that. Yeah. Cool. As opposed to, you know, everything kind of gets written down now just because. Do you journal? No, I don't journal as much, but like anything business wise, I write down. Mm-hmm. Um, I do write down some stuff um, for like meditating and stuff like that for mm-hmm. me to like not forget. Um, and so I write down personal things too, but not as much as just honestly figuring out how to operate the best business I can. I used to just try to remember everything. I was like, I have a great memory, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, I would just drive myself nuts, you know? I do pretty good, but like there's always a lot of things I forget. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's helped a lot with just being like, nah, you just need to write this down. Like you might remember it anyways, but it's going to help you remember it too, just writing it down. So, uh, yeah, writing down different goals and business plans and um, budgeting and all, you know, mm-hmm. material lists and stuff that I never, you really used to just try to, I mean, it was just me. So I was like, oh, I don't need to write down, but mm-hmm. it's helped a lot for sure. You, uh, you mentioned meditating again. Uh, do you have like any, your meditation practice, is it specific to any type of meditation? Not really. I just kind of, uh, when it was taught to me, it was just told to try to, to try to clear your mind and just try to not just try to focus on your breathing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what it started off for me as, um, I've kind of roped it in a little bit to like sort of the same thing as prayer sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll try to meditate on a specific subject or topic. Um, but other times it's just trying to like clear everything and not trying to think of anything because, um, you know, I can definitely get overworked mentally mm-hmm. trying to like think of everything. And, you know, times like this, like coming up on a show, there's like all these little things. And, you know, I get headaches all day just trying to think of everything and right. remember to call this and email this and pick up this. So uh, these are the days for sure that just like after the day, before the day, it helps so much, even if it's for five or 10 minutes, just mm-hmm. to try to sit there and just listen to yourself breathe and not think of anything. And mm-hmm. that's to me, that helps tremendously so sometimes i do it if i'm really struggling with something i'll try to meditate on that um or if there's somebody that i know that's struggling with something i'll try to meditate on that um but for the most part it's just trying to honestly think of nothing and it helps me so much just being able to i don't know just it's just like this refresher right Mm -hmm. it's like it's almost like how I feel coming out of the shower, but like mentally. I was going to say like a shower for your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much fresh. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so going back to some of your projects uh, and, and the scale of them, you're often like working so long on them. Is, is that like solitude draining to you or do you, do you find it kind of more fueling? Um, it can be. I think that's one of those things that I may kind of be able, I might lie to myself a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I may think, I think sometimes I think in my head that this is how it's supposed to be, you mm-hmm. know? And that like, I have a problem with thinking that the harder I the harder I work, the better I'm going to be. And that's not really always the case. Right. Um, so I push myself a little too hard sometimes. Um, and I think the solitude does affect me and my mood. And, you know, being alone so much, like, especially with, <laughs> with my thinking patterns, like, yeah. it cannot, it can be a recipe for disaster for me. So I definitely, I think that's been another benefit of having somebody else that I'm working with, um, is I'm not just alone all day. Like yeah. before I got that studio, I would be, I, you know, I wouldn't leave my upstairs in my house for like three days, you know, right. you're working in your house, like, you and, I, pretty and stir I, crazy. I really did like love it, but it was definitely not the most conducive for like mental health, you yeah. know, like I think I, it definitely would put me in these ruts to where I didn't really want to be social. And, um, and then it would also like start to lead to these like selfish thoughts of being like, ah, like, I don't need anybody like everyone just needs to leave me alone like I'm working you know right and that's like the mentality I try to stay out of and it's really easy for me to get into that and it's kind of like my default of being like uh just thinking it's almost like rationalizing selfishness for me of just being like well I'm working like Mm -hmm. they should just leave me alone you know or just let me be and then you're like well why didn't anybody invite me to that Mm -hmm. you know it's like Mm -hmm. oh because you told them to leave you alone you know what I mean so it's definitely this balance of trying to get out and like it's easy for me to convince myself I really don't want to see anybody mm-hmm. but I really do you know it's just like um, you start to definitely get lonely if all you really care about is what you're doing you know just you 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 know it's just uh, all you're thinking about is me 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 all day mm-hmm. and then you look around and nobody's with you so you're just like alright maybe I need to, to change what I'm doing a little bit I think that's what a lot of artists go through yeah, I've I've heard that as well, and I think maybe I've like s- heard some of my favorite artists like stay in the studio for like eight straight days, you know. And I'm like, oh, I could do that, you know. Yeah, so yeah. like, it's almost like I you're channeling some. Yeah, of it's almost like a I don't know. Like, I'm trying to give myself like I guess it's one of those weird goals, you know. I'm like, yeah. oh, I can do that. I'm just like trying to show off to myself, but um, yeah, I've definitely learned that that's not best for me. So I try to to manage my time and to just just make times for things that make me happy, like my family and my friends and, you know, live music, sporting events, like that stuff is okay for me to go do, you mm-hmm. know, and not work every single day through the night, you know. And it's definitely taken a little bit to get to that point, but I don't think I struggle with it nearly as much as I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself... Uh, like constantly reevaluating your priorities to make sure that you make time for family and friends and yeah, social life. Yeah, for, for sure. I think even if I'm doing well, I try to keep. That's like an everyday thing for me. You know, it's like, well, how how can I get through this day without only thinking about like without only doing something for me? I have mm-hmm. to do something for somebody else, and I have to allow something else to happen other than work. You know, it's. I think it's. It's what I've struggled with the most, especially coming from being so lazy and so 
I had no goals. I had no aspirations. So like when I got sober, I, I just totally flipped and I wanted to be like the hardest worker. I wanted to show that I had worth. And so it's been a process of me being like, now you, now this is too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, let's find a balance. And I think I've been doing a lot better. Uh, but there's definitely pockets, uh, you know, even a couple months ago to where I was just, I was struggling. And I didn't know why. And it was just because I was so focused on what I was doing and not giving other people or other circumstances like the time mm-hmm. that I wanted to, you know. Um, sometimes it was on purpose. Sometimes it, I didn't even realize I was doing it. But um, yeah, definitely balance is key <laughs> for me. What are your strategies for like disconnecting, you know? I mean, whether it's from a project that you've you've been way too, you know, captivated by or, or just disconnecting from social media or, or any of that. I probably need to get better at disconnecting from social media. Yeah, but don't um, we all? Yeah. Uh, from projects, it's just um, being able to give... It gets really hard when there's back-to-back-to-back-to-back stuff with deadlines, but we try to give ourselves, like, these sleep-in days. You know, we try to give ourselves... Um, days where we just go do something just for fun. I mean, it's the, it's the nice part about owning your own business is you can be flexible mm-hmm. and just like not work one day, you know? Um, it's taken me a while to realize that I could even do that. But um, uh, we, we definitely take at least a day and it's usually project to project. It's not usually in the middle of a project, but... Mm-hmm. After every project or show or piece, we'll usually like sleep in the next day. We'll mm-hmm. usually um, just go do something like we laser tag, like anything. Right. You know, big fan of Dave and Buster's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've we've played a few games together at Dave oh, and yeah. Buster's. Yeah, it's uh, a sober man's casino. Yeah, I know. I spent <laughs> way too much at that one game. Yeah, the coin game. Yeah, it was like a slot machine. So there's this like SpongeBob machine where you put in these quarters and it slides quarters out. And Troy, people was probably at this know machine. the game. Yeah, this they, is a sad story. Uh, Troy was at this machine. I think you could collect twelve SpongeBob cards in order to get like an extra three thousand tickets or something. That was actually Brian on the SpongeBob one. Okay, and we were. <laughs> that's like a better game. Like at least he. Ugh. There was like another aspect to it. He like dropped the coin and it flew through the wheel and yeah. then the coins like we just had the straight coin game. Yeah, we were what, what I didn't know is that I, I'm like going through my all my credits on my card. And I look at you guys and you're like 300 credits. I didn't know you guys were refilling this whole time. We refilled our card a couple times. But yeah, that was, we were collecting Star Trek cards. Nice. Yeah. We ended up getting, uh, they shorted us on those, (laughs) on those tokens for sure. But we, uh, we ended up pooling together, me and my friend Seeker. And then they were out of all the massive stuffed animals. So Mm. I think we, what did we get? We got a giant white tiger. Are you going to cut it in half and paint on it? No, it's his dog's toy now, I okay, think. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. All right, so I'm going to just kind of change subjects here. Uh, your brother, Chester Pink, he's a photographer. He's a promoter. He's uh, also another good friend of mine. He, I, I wanted to ask him what he would ask you, and so he wants me to ask you, what is a CUDA, oh, and no. how do you avoid becoming one? No. Um, a CUDA, that's just somebody that's a follower. You know, you see somebody doing something, uh-huh. and you're like, oh, that looks fun. It's, <laughs> do you want me to go into the whole yeah. backstory of that? Yeah, of course. So yeah. we listened to this podcast. It's called Congratulations by mm-hmm. Chris D'Elia, which is a comedian. And like six episodes in or something. 
I got him into this podcast. So he always says that I'm not into it. And he's, he, he calls his listeners babies. Uh-huh. So he's like, you're not a true baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like five or six episodes in, he made this analogy where he was like, it was about music festivals, honestly. Mm-hmm. He was like making fun of people that go to Coachella. And he was like, you barracuda, dude. He's like, you see something shiny and you chase it. Yakuda. And so that's what a kuda is. And how do you avoid becoming one? Everyone's a little bit kuda. So yeah. I don't think you can. Yeah. Stay original. Yeah, you would do nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, try to be original, but just try to be you. How I mean, there's that? so much pressure on everyone to be like somebody else. Yeah, you know, I know. You're scrolling through Instagram and you see... You know, all of these people who ha- may have more or something different that you don't have. And exactly. There's yeah. there's pieces in Expose that are like direct. I use like mirrors and flowers to represent that. But mm-hmm. it's like it's it's hard Like because you kind of get roped into it a little bit even. But mm-hmm. um, definitely irritates me, too, and like makes me sad to like watch how focused everyone is on like exterior and like what kind of Instagram is done with like everyone just like filtering and photoshopping and you know it's just kind of the way that it, everything's just trending is so exterior and trying to promote this thing right and um i've definitely struggled with it in my life um right. a ton before sobriety too like of just always trying to project this thing that i wanted other people to think that i was um and like i was talking about with the honesty like just being dishonest with myself you know mm-hmm. and you in turn end up being dishonest with other people, but it kind of starts with you. And so that's kind of, it's about like stripping away the exterior and like the internal beauty of people, you know, Mm -hmm. and being okay with like, and loving who you are as a person and not needing to change these things to make people like you more or impress people, you know? It's so important. Yeah, for sure. You got to love yourself before anyone else or anything else can really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like transitioning is a big theme in your art and like your life. It seems like you're always kind of going through transitions. Um, like, do you, do you agree? And how, how does that like f- play a part in your art and your life? I mean, you're, you're moving to L.A. soon, too. So that's that's a big transition. I yeah. Um, I think for me, just just not being afraid of change. And that's how I've seen the most growth. Mm-hmm. is like allowing myself to transition and not just do the same thing over and over. And then it also just, I kind of get bored, you know, and it's not really bored. It's just like, I'm always thinking of something else. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, how can I make this specific thing better? It's kind of like, well, how could I take what I learned here and like maybe do something new with it? So if you kind of, there's usually like a lot of the same sort of elements in a lot of my stuff, but um, I try to not really... Like, like limit it to being like, oh, I have to do this or I have to only do this. Um, Because if you look at it in a grand scheme of things, like, I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but art's a pretty cool thing that like, it's not like a sport to where you have like a cap, you know, in like 35 years, you know, 35 year old is kind of done playing, Mm -hmm. 40 year old is kind of done playing. You see a lot of the artists make their best stuff in like their 60s and 70s. And, you know, so it's all, I try to not put so much pressure on it um, and you just kind of go through these waves of, oh, I'm making this for a year and I'm making this for a year. And so that's kind of what I've tried to, um, try to like keep in the forefront of my life is just being like, yo, you don't have to make everything perfect. Like we going back to that, 
we can just try this and see if it works. You don't have to stay in this box of like only doing the sports stuff or only doing portraits or, you know, I've tried to just, or only, you know, living in Michigan. Like I just, right. there's certain things that it's not my first thought to like go move, but um, wasn't my first thought to get this studio gallery that I have too, you know, and I was scared to do it, but just getting me out of my comfort zone helped me grow, you mm-hmm. know, and that's kind of my thought on, just trying to live somewhere else in like a bigger market for a little bit and, and just see, I just want to network and I'd hate to look back and be like, Oh, I should have done that when mm-hmm. I, when I could have, you know, what's some advice that you would give to artists who may be experiencing like some point of staleness at, at this moment where they're kind of feeling stuck or in a rut, um, stuck creatively or just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, either physically or creatively, you know, if they're stuck in, in their current city or, or, or on a current project or in a, even a current style of art where they're trying to break out of it and take a chance. Yeah. Um, I think my advice would kind of be similar for all that, to be honest. It's um, I have found the most success and happiness when I'm, when I'm able to do something that's uncomfortable right and do something that isn't my first thought to do but there seems to be things that are kind of smacking me in the face that are being like maybe maybe you should think about this or maybe this is a good idea you know i i think it's kind of you know to me it's god showing me these these signs of you know you don't you don't always know what is best for you you mm-hmm. know like maybe listen to me and and just trust that this is the right this is the right move and this is this is part of my plan and not your plan like i'm not going to let you i'm not going to let you fail even if you are failing in your mind it's it's a learning process you know and you're going to grow from it and this just wasn't what it was supposed to be you know sometimes mm-hmm. you just convince yourself that i have to be doing this you know or i this has to work or this goal needs to be met or i need to live here or i need to do this style of art and you just need to do things that push you out of your comfort zone or how, how do you grow otherwise you know how do you grow doing the exact same thing over and over and over I mean you might get better at that one specific thing but you're not you're not growing um you're not growing in other areas you know you're mm-hmm. not expanding yourself that much yeah and it's important to uh always have growth you know mm-hmm. uh, I mean does but does that pressure of of feeling like you need to constantly evolve as an artist does that ever give you like anxiety or 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 the pressure is it it ever too much to like kind of deal with um i haven't really had it to be something that's too much to deal with i think Mm -hmm. the the pressure that i put on myself to like make it a specific way sometimes Mm -hmm. is too much you know but it doesn't it's not really like like the pressure of having that studio gallery isn't too much. It's the pressure that I put on myself of having that thing be a certain way or come off a certain way or the events we need to have there, you know, like that's the stuff that can become too much, but it's Mm -hmm. not like the act of having it. I mean, it's, it's a financial stress, you know, Mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely pushed me to, um, take it more serious, you know, and there's definitely a risk involved, but, I don't know. I, with financial risks, I try, if I'm working my hardest I can, then I, I try to not let those deter me from trying something, mm-hmm. you know, the, the more, the risk that I usually try to avoid is risking my like mental health and risking my sobriety like those, you know, 
those ones I, I definitely avoid. But financial risks, creative risks, um, those ones I usually try to, I mean, calculated, you know, mm-hmm. don't just try anything. But um, I try to not let, like, financial fear or um, fear of people not liking something stop me from doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you've been through so much, like, uh, you know, the sobriety and, and that whole path, it, it kind of puts things into perspective. Yeah. You, know, you, you learn what you should be, you know, becoming emotionally consumed with and what you shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, it's the same, it's the same way um, with me as a person, I think, as it is with me creatively. It's just, it's a process, you know. It's mm-hmm. like I'm not perfect by any means and I'm not, my art's not perfect. I'm not perfect as a person, but if I definitely am trying every day to be conscious of the things that I'm bad at and to try to try to make try to correct them or be better at those things, you know. And so I think that's really as much as you can ask um of anyone, right? Is to just try yeah. to be the best version of themselves. So that's try that's what I try to live by, but um you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't these things didn't creep into my head like that financial fear or mm-hmm. anything we just talked about like those thoughts happen it's just i don't i try not to act on those thoughts you mm-hmm. know um so yeah i think it's just been a process and i think it's going to continue being a process but i just i know that it's it's something that if i actively try every day to be better there's no way i'm going to i might fail from what i think i'm going to be doing or mm-hmm. who I think I'm going to end up becoming, but I'm not going to fail. It's exactly who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I just have to do my part and, and try, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really beautiful feeling when you know that you can just kind of relinquish control yeah, and just be the best that you can be and, and know that that will work out. Yeah. It sounds crazy. I mean, you told me to just like, oh yeah, just don't worry about your life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not in control. Like you'd be like, well... But for someone who's not creating goals and for yeah. someone who's, you know, not on top of their their health mentally or physically, that, that would be something that would really be deteriorating. Yeah. But for someone who is so conscious about their goals and they're level-headed with their, you know, mental status and everything, it creates, it, it creates this trust in control. Or in, well, you once know. you know the feeling, right. you know, it's, it's impossible to, like, think otherwise. So right. I understand, like, I struggled with it for a really long time of being able to think people were even telling me the truth or like mm-hmm. this was even like a viable option, you know, is to like trust in something bigger than yourself, you mm-hmm. know? Um, not that I thought I was like the biggest thing. I just thought nobody, why would he care about me, you know, or why would whatever care about me? Um, but once I know the feeling, once I knew the feeling of it actually working and mm-hmm. me, you know, I was unhappy for so many years and for something for me to change a few things in my life and my life to completely do a 180 and my mental state to completely do a 180 and the way I viewed myself. And, um, you know, it's impossible to deny for me anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, it's a simple solution. And I just, for some reason, you know, things get good and you start to, it starts to creep back in your head that you're doing something great, you know, but I know I'm not. And, um, I'm happiest when, when I'm acting like that too, you know, mm-hmm. it's very selfless, you know? Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's something that I know I need to be or else I, I'm going to be unhappy. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it's like, 
it almost makes me sound like I'm like forcing myself it into being selfless, but it's like I don't think it's a force. It's but really, it, it, it's a practice, though. It's definitely a practice, and it's definitely. I definitely have to keep myself in check, you know. Yeah. It's so easy for me to slip back into this selfish mind state. And I don't it's not like a malicious thing. I'm not like being like, oh, I don't screw everyone, you know. Right. But it's just by nature, I think, what where my default goes to. And it's it's Well, it might just it might be easiest, you know. It's when I'm spiritually not there. You know, right. it's when I'm not doing all those little things that I was talking about, that's where my mind goes. If I'm doing all those things, I think differently, you know, like mm-hmm. my mind just doesn't go there. And I think that's why that's a big part in me being happy. You know, there's a lot of like other things that make me happy. Um, just nothing less like that, you know, mm-hmm. nothing is really like as pure as that for me. Um, everything else kind of seems like it's works for a little, but it's it's not like don't ever do those things. It's not like, oh, don't be healthy. Don't work out. Don't eat well. You right. know? But like those things alone won't make me feel good, like yeah. mentally, you know. Um, they definitely help. But that's like the main thing for me. Is, spirituality. Yeah. Spirituality yeah. and just being like mentally being feeling good, you know, yeah. being happy. Like it comes before everything. Yeah. How are you supposed to go to the gym if you, you know, feel horrible about yourself or right. if you're not confident in, in, you know, the way that you are even, you know, feeling, um, you know, how are you supposed to have a proper diet if you don't even want to eat anything? Yeah. Everything you know? falls apart for me yeah. if that's not right. You yeah. know, um, there's no more motivation there. Right. You know, right. and I think you really just, I just start to get down on myself and then the motivation is for sure gone after that, you know? Yeah. It's just like, oh, I don't care. Who else is going to care, you know? Do you do any physical exercise or anything? I try. I really do. I just, it's hard for me to stay consistent with it. Um, The last little stint I did, I I went every day for a week and then something came up with work and I was like, oh, I'll just skip today. And then... Haven't gone back yeah. since, you know. So it's just it like happens too easily. Yeah. yeah, that's an easy thing for me to. You're to, a hockey uh, player, right? Yeah, and even so I haven't even played hockey in like five months. So oh, like, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm struggling right yeah. now. I need to, I need to get back on it. But yeah, hockey is that's kind of always been my like one thing that even if you know I'm not lifting weights, not working out, but playing hockey once or twice a week, like I felt like I didn't. You know, I'm obviously pretty skinny. Uh-huh. Don't have a lot of muscle mass on me, but I felt like I would still, um, you know, keep my lungs and like stay active. You know, I'm not just sitting all day painting. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. that's when I start to feel it, like in my knees, and you know, it's just like it, yeah. I definitely it definitely helps me a lot to be active. But it's easy for me to just it goes right back into the same thing, right? It's just it's just a different. I'm like neglecting like physical things as opposed to mental things, but it's all. It's all part of a balance for me, but the more important one for me is mental. So yeah, um, that might change the older I get. Probably, you know, they might it might raise up a little bit. I don't think it, mental will ever be less important, right? No, but no. I'm saying that physical might, you know, for me, like be more whole, important to me. The whole catalyst of of like you know even diving into mental health started with meditation and with yeah. spirituality, and so I totally relate to that. Yeah, uh, I don't think I would even step foot in the gym if it wasn't for the fact that I've meditated for months before. You know. Yeah, I mean you're you're probably right. To be honest, yeah, it's yeah. just like it's hard to want to change anything if you're not feeling good. You know. Yeah, and, I mean? and you see all these people out there who are like so aggressively thirsty for change. You mm-hmm. know, um, they're so 
quote-unquote unhappy because they don't have a spouse or because they are, uh, you know, they're not healthy physically or whatever it is. They're just not happy with their life, but they don't realize that, that it really starts inside of them, you know? Yeah. And, and it really is like a, a change that starts, you know, up top in the brain and, and kind of can take over the body from there. Yeah, it's exact. It's definitely like a trickle down effect for sure. It's, yeah, nothing's gonna happen if that's if that's not work, if that's off, you know. Right. Or if that's unhappy. How do you go from seeing like a blank canvas to conceptualizing some of these pieces that are like so intricate? Um, I honestly, <laughs> I'm so like, I'm so bad at photoshop and illustrator that i've developed this process of like sketching taking a photo on my phone and then like drawing out like a lot of my stuff has like dimension to it right so like drawing out on my phone like where i want to rip this top layer and where i want to have it's like the jankiest version like i really need to step my game up on that but i kind of have this i've always just had this weird process you know yeah of it always starts with like sketching and pencil for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but as I've, I have no formal training. So like, I've just kind of, you, you I went to CCS to, college of creative studies for like a little bit. I did for a yeah. semester. And you yeah. dropped out. Yeah. Um, sweet. it was at the same <laughs> sweet. No, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a drop out myself. <laughs> um, it was at the same time that I just started doing like full time commissions. Yeah. Um, and I was just doing too much art. It was just like, I wasn't sleeping. It was just, it was nuts. So I ended up quitting. Actually, I, I think I was doing part-time art then and had another job. So yeah. I had a job, was doing commissions, and was doing school. And I didn't even have that many classes. I think I had three classes. But um, I just decided to quit my job and to drop out and just fully focus on that. Mm-hmm. So um, I really love CCS, though. I mean, I wish I would have... I shouldn't say I wish I would. I would have been nice to be... I would have loved to go to four years there, you know. Right, right. Um, It just wasn't the right time for me. I think, you know, I was like 23. Um, I had already put my parents through a lot financially, you know, with all the different treatment centers and stuff like that. And I was yeah. just like, it felt good to just be able to make my own money and not be like mooching off somebody else, you know. They wouldn't even really give me money. But, <laughs> um, you know, I really it felt great to be able to make my own money. So I was just like, you know, I don't want to go backwards with that. I, I think I just want to try this, you know, if it doesn't work out, then maybe I can come back or get another job. But I really just was, just felt like, you know, I just want to try, you know? Yeah. So that was like the leap of faith where you kind of considered yourself. Yeah. I guess that was another one for sure. Career artist. Yeah. Yeah. Even I, I think at that time I was even just like, let's just try. I'll just do this till I need to get a real job, but let's see if I can at least do it. Let's see how long I can do it for. This will be crazy if I can do this, you know? Yeah. And that was, I think my mindset. And then within like probably nine months or a year after that is when I was like, maybe if I start to take the business side of this more serious and like learn more about business and, you know, I'd sit down with my mom and dad all the time. I'm lucky that both of them are pretty business savvy. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I, can't, I don't have the time to go to school, so I, but I really want to learn. So I would sit down with an accountant, and I would sit down with my parents, and they would just kind of walk through all this stuff, and it made me, made my brain hurt, for sure. Yeah. But it's really helped me a lot, you know? And now I kind of know, or at least I'm learning, how to run a successful business as opposed to just making the art, you know? And right. I think that's where, it's honestly probably where a lot of super, super talented artists 
fail, you know? And that's why you, you got the term starving artist, you know? Yeah, you have to wear both hats. It's hard to wear both hats for sure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like I don't want to do it, but, or it, like it's counterproductive, but it's definitely been the best thing for me, you know? Because mm-hmm. it allows me to do, to not have to bring other people into the equation and not have to like, put all my trust in somebody else you know you want to be able to like know everything that's going on in your own business so mm-hmm. and understand how to make it better and um and it's just just made me more confident too you know with my stuff and with um moving forward like knowing what i'm capable of doing and knowing what's probably a bad financial move for me to do you know you've probably had some some mistakes yeah i've definitely had some <laughs> mistakes if my mom's listening she she'll probably laugh at that part but um yeah i definitely have um like the first year of taxes yeah that was a mistake yeah you're like oh i didn't save any receipts a lot of money yeah i owed yeah. him a lot of money yeah. so that was all all my savings there that year <laughs> you're looking uh, at your you're looking at your uh, yeah i'm like, you're like i made a lot of money like, this year oh man it's all gone now yeah yeah um yeah i've definitely made some mistakes but Nothing that's like crippled me, you know, yeah. and nothing that's, uh, at least I've learned, you know, Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's the only way I've ever learned in my life is failing bad enough that you're like, okay, let's never do that again, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had financial failures, but, um, just like every other part of my life, you know, it's, it's, it's a learning curve and I'm growing and I feel like I'm trying to get better at it. So, um, it's inevitable that it's going to going to become easier for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think I would be an irresponsible host if I didn't ask you to touch on your time in jail. Time in jail? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Great. So let's just start with the first time. Uh, oh, man, the first time. Um, I really, I've never spent more than like a 24 hours in jail. I've okay. just been arrested So these a lot are like times. arrested. In yeah, these are like cell. holding cells. You know, right. I've never been to like jail or yeah. prison. But yeah. um, luckily, one time was kind of scary. I thought I for sure it was. But um, the first time, the first time was pretty bad. Um, the first time, I think I was 15 uh-huh. or six, maybe six. Oh, no, I was 16. I was driving. So um, I was 16 and I was picking a friend up from a house party and I think the, the party got raided and my friend started, I see him like running down the street and he's like running at my car and I parked like six houses down like, just to be away or maybe even farther because I couldn't see the house. Right. I see him running down the street and then all of a sudden I see this cop car behind him with the lights on chasing him and he runs and just gets in my car. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, it really wasn't his fault. Like I had all this, like the stuff on me, but yeah. um, I got arrested with like, five different drugs and oh, and man. i got an mip so it was like a serious thing yeah for a 16 year old but i ended up getting out i just had probation like I, nothing really crazy happened yeah. um just for being so young i think and you know luckily had like a pretty good lawyer and i uh, didn't have a lot of repercussions from that i mean in hindsight you know i felt like i did right but um yeah i, I was always thinking about that like what if i would have got arrested with that when i was like over 18. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, been bad. Yeah. Um, but the different, you know, I didn't really, honestly, after that time, I never really took it that serious. Like I was never really that scared of, um, 
I say that like I wouldn't have wanted to go to prison, you right. know. But it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I shouldn't do that because I could be arrested. You, you think know? that was like the drugs and, and yeah, I think it was just it started to like fuel this. Like obviously now you 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 are, are not not yeah. that you're scared, you know. But, but no, but I think about things, right? You know, right. like yeah. I just didn't really think about a lot. I was yeah. just like you feel it was so yeah yeah. It was so spur of the moment, everything for me. And it was always trying to like one up somebody too, you know? Like yeah. you would have these friends that you were just bad news with each other. You'd be like, right. He would do this. And you'd be like, well, I got to do this, you know? And it was just always, uh, <laughs> um, it was just always. You really learn who your real friends are. Well, yeah. I mean, exactly. But um, I was just a different mind state, you know? Yeah. It was just consumed by that, you know? Yeah. I just, that's all I cared about. So, um, yeah, I think. The last time I got arrested was um, was like super powerful for me. It was like the first time I prayed in a super long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just so tired at that point, and you know I was just done. Like I just, I just really, I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling anymore. I didn't want to hurt the people I was hurting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just tired of doing what I was doing. You know, I was like a. It wasn't even fun anymore. It was like maintenance, you know. Would you call that like rock bottom? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the most. It was definitely a crazy experience, yeah. like that whole sequence of how I got arrested. But it wasn't even like. There's a lot of other times before that that you were like, "Oh, this is gonna be his rock bottom for right, sure," right. you know. And if I told you both situations and had you guess, you'd probably guess the wrong one, you know. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like the most bizarre, but. It's definitely, it's definitely bizarre. Yeah, I mean that was my rock bottom, like mentally. You yeah, know, I yeah. was just it, like, I was like the catalyst that you needed. Yeah, I was just, I was done after that. Like, I never thought. My biggest struggle was I never believed that I could be happy in sobriety, mm-hmm. and that was like a big thing that happened for me in that holding cell. Was I prayed and I had like this weird sense of, I had this weird feeling, and I realized now it was peace, but I hadn't felt like peace in a long time. You know, mm-hmm. I felt peace about the situation. Like I was definitely maybe going to jail. Like I was already on a probation in Nebraska for for a coke charge, so it was mm-hmm. not like a light charge, right? And I just Nebraska. got a, yeah, I just got a DUI and hit somebody's house with my car. Yikes! So it was like, dude, you are not in a good scenario right now. You know, and for me to feel peace while I'm sitting there, you know, that was. That was, that was very surreal for me, you know? Yeah. And I prayed to something. I didn't even know what I was praying to. And I felt different. You know, I was like, whoa, that was that was weird. You know, so over the next, like, six or seven days, I just started to really feel like, you know, maybe you can do this. Maybe, like, this is... I kind of had just accepted, like, oh, it's just the way you are. You know, you just got to make the best of it. And, like, you're not, you know, you just got to do this. Like, this is just who you are. I was like, maybe this isn't who I am. Maybe I can change, you know? And past that point, it really started to turn around mentally for me pretty quick, you know? Mm-hmm. I just started to listen to what people suggested me to do. Mm-hmm. People that had gone through this and were happier now. Before, I used to fight everything they would say. I'm like, well, that might be you, but that's not me. Like, you don't understand me, you mm-hmm. know? Just so stupid. Because, like, I was putting myself on this, like, pedestal of being like oh no, no no you don't understand my problems people have had way harder problems than i've ever had in my life you know and it was kind of it all stemmed from selfishness but i didn't know that at the time you know um so just like dropping my ego and being like okay i'll sweep this floor if you want me to sweep this floor you know mm-hmm. like i don't care if it's gonna make me happy <laughs> yeah. you want me to do it and you're 
telling me this is how you got it happy and changed your life, then I'll do it for sure. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, I started working out, started like doing these things that I was like, never in a million years I would do. Right. Um, started praying, started meditating, uh, and things started to turn around, you know? So it was, uh, yeah, but it, it really, that last stint in, in jail, like was a pivotal point for me in my life for sure. And yeah, that, that like first prayer in a long time. Yeah, um, and your your mom's a pastor, so like you, she you, is. You yeah, up, so. you grew up around prayer and and all that. And did did you lose that when you were you know uh, using? I did. Yeah, I mean, I I think I became super resentful to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really towards her. Uh, maybe I think I actually did. She didn't deserve any of that, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, I think I did become just resentful at at. Maybe I think it was more resentful at God, but it was like I was resentful at anybody that tried to talk to me about that, you know, mm-hmm. and it was because, you know, you, nobody it's like if somebody's unhappy and a bunch of happy people are right in your face. Like I hated going to church because of that. It was like everyone wanted to talk and be happy and nice. And I was like, you guys are all just faking it. Like, that's honestly what I thought, you know? Yeah. Like, there's no way you're that happy. Um, so I think I just became like wasn't like I was like there is I never became like there is no God or like I don't believe in this it was just like I just want to ignore that you Mm -hmm. know like I just don't want to be a part of that that was really more or less what it was and I grew up in church and I grew up going to my church's school and I felt like once I found drugs I was like oh you guys were just hiding this from me like there's this this is way more fun you know so I kind of just like pushed away from all that um and that had to be super super hard I know it was super hard for my mom and my parents and um, and my whole family, my brothers too, you know, but, um, it was all part of this process that I had to go to in order to, to really know, like, to really know that this is the best way of life, you know, yeah. for me, you know, I'm a lot happier doing this than I was doing that. So, um, I, just to work every day at continually growing and being better at this way of life right you know and not slipping back into those old patterns yeah and you can put a label on that correlation like they're faking it or whatever but at the end of yeah. the day there's a correlation between the spirituality side and, and the happiness side too well yeah i mean i know they're not yeah. faking it now right. but yeah, like yeah, i just remember thinking that in high yeah, school it's easy yeah. to look at that and say oh well. i was like uh, yeah they're for sure not that happy right you know yeah <laughs> it's like there's no way i'm not even close to that yeah and i'm having all this fun you know right. like that was my thought process so yeah um yeah, it's been a it's been a very interesting ride, but um, I definitely wouldn't change it. It's given me an awesome, awesome testimony and an awesome platform to be able to try to help people with. You know, that's beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to to plug? Uh, do you want to let everyone know what your website is or where they can see exposed? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, what dates is coming out? So this will probably be hitting next week. It will be after the opening. So okay. How All long right. is the show running for? So if you came, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I love thanks you so for coming. Much. Yeah. If you didn't, you blew it. But um, <laughs> what do I want to plug? I well, the gallery is we're going to be moving. I mm-hmm. mean, if you want to come see Exposed, it'll be up for a month. Mm-hmm. So it'll be running till September twenty fifth, and the gallery is in Birmingham. Uh, the address is two six one East Merrill Street. It's right in downtown Birmingham. And then uh, if you want to just check out some of my work, it's you can either go to the website, which is typcollection.com, mm-hmm. or you can go to the Instagram, which is at typcollection. At typcollection. Yep. Great. 
Well, thank you so much, man. You're, yeah, you're, you're a great you. first guest. I'm, I'm glad it went well. Yeah, I'd say. For sure. Cool.